0: Before we get into God's word this uh, morning, let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Father, we come before you humbly this morning. It is your word that we long to hear, it is you that we need to hear from. So please, Lord, you increase and let me decrease. Let it be your words that are spoken and not my own. As we go and we search these scriptures, we come to an understanding of who you are and what you desire from our lives to live in your kingdom, to live as you call us to. Father, I pray that you would just open our eyes to see from the verses we're going to look at today. That if there is anything we should fear, it is only you. So, Father, guide us and direct us and speak to our hearts today, I pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Yesterday, as I began to look over sermon notes, I began to feel that God was leading me in a different direction with everything that's been going on. And we have experienced a lot over the last couple of weeks have we not we've gone through so 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 much and it made me think about the idea of how many times the bible says fear not do you know it says fear not about a hundred times in the bible I mean there's obviously a reason behind it that we are called to not fear but let's just be honest there are many things that we just have this idea that we're supposed to fear how many of you growing up how many of you were afraid of the boogeyman anybody afraid of the boogeyman how many of you had your parents check under the bed, check your closet? You know, uh, I remember when my kids were, were growing up, and uh, you know, sometimes I'd be scared to go to bed. And then VeggieTales, right? How many of you love VeggieTales? You might love VeggieTales. Even as an adult, I still love VeggieTales, right? And I remember this song, and so I would sing it to my son before he'd go to bed sometimes. And if you don't, you can sing it along with me. You ready? God is bigger than the boogeyman. He's bigger than Godzilla or the monsters on TV. Oh, God is bigger than the boogeyman, and he's watching over you and me. (laughs) Now, you think about it. I mean, we have a lot of fears in this day and age. Let's be honest. Terrorism is something that's very scary, is it not? Now, terrorism is something that will just put fear into our very souls to where we won't want to go out. I remember when 9-11 happened, and, and, you know, when 9-11 happened, we began to realize, wait a minute, it can come to our country. And so when 9-11 happened, we stood back and we went, whoa, should we be gathering in large gatherings? Should we not be fearful? Should Should we not cancel sporting events? And, you know, we don't want to put all these people in such large groups because what if terrorists come in? And they attack us. And so terrorism really struck fear in the lives of Americans. But I'm going to tell you, when 9-11 happened, we immediately that night had prayer gatherings at churches all around the world. Churches began to meet and said, you know what? We're not going to let them strike fear into our hearts and into our lives. What about natural disasters? We just experienced one just a little over a week ago when the tornado came right through Lebanon, tore up a lot of homes, hurt a lot of people. There were many deaths that happened because of that tornado. And a lot of people could step back and say, well, you know what? we we, we got to be afraid because we just never know. And, and, and there's the key. Get this. We never know when it's going to happen. We don't know. We never know when a storm is going to hit. We never know when a tornado is going to come through. We never know when these things are going to take place. But here's the thing I learned a long time ago. You can't fear what you don't know is going to happen. But yet many of us will live in fear, we'll we'll dial back in, we'll become scared, we'll become worried, and therefore, because here's the truth of the matter, if we get afraid of all these events, and guess what? We won't go anywhere. We'll never leave our homes. And that's exactly what Satan wants you to do. Man, let's just be honest. Let's let's just get right down to it. What are you talking about today, Brother John? Let's talk about viruses, right? You call COVID-19 or coronavirus, I don't care what you call it. It's a virus, and it has got our community scared. It has got our country scared. It has got churches scared. It has got schools scared. It has your jobs scared. Everybody is fearful of a virus. What happens if we get it? What happens if we get sick? Are we? Let's just be honest. Man, when HIV came out, People were scared senseless. They wouldn't drink from water fountains that people with HIV drank from. They were scared that they could contract it that way. They started pushing them aside. They wanted to treat them like lepers and cast them out into leper colonies or HIV colonies because they didn't want to have to deal with something that they didn't know anything about. Guess what? We can do that with all kinds of sickness. We can begin to push people away. We can begin to sort people out because we're afraid of people going to get sick. Here's the truth of the matter. You ready for this? You don't know if you're going to catch it. You don't know if it's going to hit your home. You don't know, you ready for this, if it's going to be your time. But man, if you let fear strike you, it will shut you down. It'll stop you from going out. Can I tell you something? It blew me away that churches were closing. Why? Because go to Walmart. You can contract anything at Walmart. You're still shopping. It's everywhere, right? If it's, it's going to be. Why do we fear? We fear the unknown, we fear not knowing. We fear. Things that media pushes. What about H1N1? Did we have this mass hysteria over H1N1? No. Why? Media didn't push it. Swine flu, avian bird flu. I mean, you can name all kinds of diseases that came around across Ebola. The only thing we did, we just stopped eating lettuce when Ebola came out, right? There was all kinds of fears. Can I tell you something? We can't let fear control us. Because if we allow fear to control us, we as Christians will never be anything in our community. This is a chance for churches and Christians to stand up. It is a chance for us to tell the world, number one, we don't fear your diseases. And number two, we don't fear death because we know where we're going. We don't fear When you look at the Scriptures, and this is what we're going to look at today, we're going to talk about three discoveries about fear. The first discovery we're going to look at today is the enemy and fear. You know, in John 10, 10, the first part of that Scripture simply says this, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. How does he do those things? How does he steal and kill and destroy. Number one, he begins with fear. Fear is one of his greatest weapons that Satan has used throughout the centuries. Fear is a weapon that he has used because guess what? He can control us by our fears. There are so many things throughout Scripture that if we're not careful of, we can become fearful of. Things that he will use, such as enemies. In Psalm 27, in verse 3, he says, "...though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear." Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. Even if the enemy surrounds me, I will not fear. One of my favorite stories in Scripture is found in 2 Kings chapter 6. There's a prophet by the name of Elisha. And Elisha is standing there and he has been able to interpret and find out exactly what an enemy king is going to do to the people of Israel. Because of that... Because of what has taken place, the enemy king finds out who has been telling the king of Israel his plans. So what does he do? He says, well, we're going to send the army down there, and we're going to take out the prophet. So he sent this massive army out there. Elisha's protege that walks with him, follows him, listens to him. He goes out one day, and he sees this tremendous army on the hillside, and he's scared. And he looks at Elisha, and he says, look at the army of our enemies. And Elisha goes, yeah, I'm not worried because the army of our Lord is greater than the army of the enemy. And he said, Lord, open his eyes. And when God opened Elisha's eyes, he saw this massive heavenly army surrounding the army of the enemy. You see, because there is no need to be fearful of our enemies. God has got them under control. But not only that, but what about obstacles? When I look in the book of Numbers, chapter 14 The people of Israel fell into a great amount of fear. They were afraid to go into the land that God had promised them. They were afraid to go in because they said, we're like grasshoppers and they're like giants. They will crush us. They'll destroy us. They have fortified cities. They have all these things going on. But here it comes. And in verse 9 of chapter 14 of Numbers, he says, "'Only rebel ye not against the Lord, "'neither fear ye the people of the land, "'for they are our bread for us.'" Their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. We can't allow obstacles to get in our way. The people could have looked at the enemy encampment. They could have looked at the enemy. They could have, But here's the thing. What Joshua wanted them to understand, and what the people, the spies, the two, Joshua and Caleb, wanted them to understand was God is with us, God is for us, and therefore nobody can stand against us. Not only do we see the enemy, not only do we see obstacles, but even scarcity. Even scarcity. In 1 Kings chapter 17 and verse 13, if you don't know the story of this, there was a great drought that happened in the land of Israel. And when this drought came about, they didn't have a lot of food. And there was a widow. A widow who was getting ready to go make her last little bit of food for her and her son and then die. But Elijah says this to her in verse 13. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not. Go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after make for thee and for thy son. In other words, what little you have left that you're going to use for you and your son, I want you to make me one first. Doesn't that sound like a great prophet? I want you to take care of me. I want you to feed me. And then you can feed yourself and your son. Why did Elijah do that? Because he knew this. He knew that God would provide for her, and for three years he did. Scarcity. Man, look at what's going on around us. Scarcity, right? If you go to the grocery store, what do you find? Empty shelves. Empty shelves. Toilet paper, the first thing to go. I still do not understand that. I have not gotten that one yet. I don't know what they think this virus does, but it does not work down there, okay? But scarcity, you think about it, people are going to the grocery stores and it's like they're hoarding up for the end of times as though this virus is going to last forever. They're scared. And so they go, and so when one person gets scared, what happens? The next person gets scared and the next person gets scared. I think what happened was somebody went there and bought bulk toilet paper and somebody goes, oh my goodness, we got to have toilet paper. So everybody else got it. I don't know. What I do know is all of a sudden, scarcity of certain items causes us to fear and to worry and get concerned. And all of a sudden, we lose sight of the God who provides everything we have need of. He's going to take care of us, even in the midst of this disease. I'm not making light of this disease. Please understand. I'm not making light of it. But I believe that it is terror-driven more than anything. I believe that we're more fearful of a disease that has caused less deaths than any other disease we've seen. We are so fearful of something that we don't know much about. We're also fearful if we lose. Okay, You say, what do you mean by losing? Well, look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They had what I call even if faith. They said, we're not going to bow down to your God. We will not bow down even if We get thrown into the fire. And guess what happened? They got thrown in the fire. Somebody goes, well, I can't believe God would allow them to go into the fire. God did allow them to go into the fire, but God spared them in the midst of the fire. Daniel, get thrown into the lion's den. I can't believe God allowed him to be thrown into the lion's den. Why? Because God protected him in the midst of the lion's den. You ready for this? You may get the virus. It is not the end of the world. 99.7% success rate in America. Why are we scared of a disease that has such a tremendous success rate? It's unheard of because it's been driven by people. It's been driven. Even if you get it, guess what? You have a very good chance of survival. And get this, if you don't, praise God. If you're ready, praise God. You get a whole lot more blessing than we get down here. It's that simple. When you look at this, you've got to understand the enemy is wanting to control us by fear. He wants to cause us to break down. He wants us to stop meeting together. He wants us to stop praising God. He wants us to turn against God and ask, why, God? Why are you doing this? As opposed to us asking why God is doing this, what we need to be doing is going out there and telling people about Jesus so that they can be prepared if they do leave this life. That's what we need to be doing. Number two, let's look at the God we should fear. I love Proverbs chapter one and verse seven. It simply says this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Do you get that? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Psalm 46, verses 1 to 3 say this. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though, get this, though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, say, we will not fear. You don't know why we won't fear because if you didn't know this already god is in control he has not lost control he has not surrendered any control at this point he has not lost his almighty power he has not lost his omniscience he has not lost any of his knowledge He has not lost his ways. He is not lost beside of you. He is there with you all the time. Our God is a mighty protector, a refuge, and a shelter. You see, I believe in a God of creation. How about you? I believe that our God created in six days. I believe that when our God spoke and he said what? He separated the waters. He spoke and it happened and there was a firmament. I believe that when He called the dry ground out of the the waters, He spoke, and it happened. I believe that when God decided to create the sun and the moon and the stars, He spoke, and it happened. I believe that God decided He would then create the birds and the fish of the sea. He spoke, and they happened. God decided to form the beast out of the ground, and He spoke man into existence, and He formed down on man, and He spoke, and... It happened. When I think about the creation, I understand this. I understand that if God can create, God can also destroy. There is nothing outside of his creative abilities. But not only with creation, I think about that with miracles. Look at what Jesus did. Look at the things. Anytime Jesus came across somebody that was sick, what did he do? He healed them. Can I tell you, there are some amazing things that Jesus did, especially the man that was born blind. He made him see. This guy had never seen a day at all. And he what? He healed that blind man. There were people who were laid up lame. They could not get up and walk. Jesus spoke to them, and they rose up and they walked. Oh, my favorite. Jesus never attended a funeral, did he? There was a funeral procession that passed him one day, and what happened? He went over and he touched the casket of the little boy, and he sat up in the casket. He went into the home where a little girl had died, and he said to her, Talithia kuma, which is to say, my child, arise, and she got up. He went to the tomb of Lazarus, where he had been dead for four days, where his body should have begun to stink. And he said, Lazarus, come forth. And he came out. And not only that, not only that, but when he died for our sins, on the third day, he got back up. And if he has power over death like that, including power over death for himself, then there is no death that we should fear. None. This is the God we serve. If we serve a God that we believe in and we serve a God who we know is in control, then we should not allow fear to defeat us. Lastly, I want you to see the powerlessness of fear. Look with me in Psalm 23. Everybody loves this Psalm. You know it. The Lord is my shepherd, right? But I want you to look at verse 4. He simply says this. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. The Lord is my shepherd, my protector, my guard, my leader, my supplier, my provider, the one who cares for me and knows me by name. He walks with us. He walks with us, and he guides us, and he directs us. And here he says, "He even though I go into the valley of the shadow of death. I want you to understand something. Jesus, when he sent his disciples out, did you know this? He said, I send you out as sheep among wolves. You know what that meant? He said, I know exactly what I'm doing. Now, if you ever watch the old, old Looney Tunes cartoons, right? And you remember the old Looney Tunes cartoons and... You had all the sheep out there and you had that one coyote that put on a suit like a sheep and he'd walk into the flock and he'd try to take off one of the sheep. Usually if he escaped with one of the sheep, he'd get back to his cave and it would be that big burly dog, right? Every time. That's not the image that Jesus wants us to understand. What he's saying is is there's a pack of wolves and he said, "I'm sending my sheep into the pack of wolves." Isn't that interesting? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. I don't have to fear the wolves. I don't have to fear the problems of this world. I don't have to fear. Why? Because my shepherd will be there for me and with me. He carries a rod and a staff, and he will take care of anybody that tries to harm his sheep. You see, the Bible makes this clear. He wants us to understand that even if we go through difficult times, and we will, We will face hardships. We will face difficulties. We will go through some of the worst seasons of life. He says, but David says, I'll fear no evil. I will not be worried. I will not be concerned. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 18 gives us a powerful scripture there as well. He says, there is no fear in love but perfect love casteth out fear because fear torment he that feareth is not made perfect in love now you need to understand this verse in its context because a lot of people say oh well that just means we we just are, we're not supposed to fear anything and if we ever have fear then we're not christian that's not what that verse is saying that verse is about the judgment that verse is about one day we'll stand before God, and because we have been saved by God, we as Christians never have to fear judgment. Amen. We've been blessed. Perfect love casts out fear. Who's perfect love? The perfect love of Jesus Christ that is in our hearts. He can protect us. Here's the thing. If we go, if this is it, we will immediately stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And a lot of people say, Well, I'm not ready for that. Well, I hope you get ready. That's the whole purpose. We have an opportunity to help people get ready. Because guess what? None of us are promised tomorrow. None of us. You see, I shouldn't even be here, and I know it. When I was 15 years old, I was in a car accident that absolutely should have taken my life. There is no reason I should be standing before you today other than the hand of God was on me to protect me and to bring me through. That's it. That's it. There's no way. If you look at the pictures of the car that had been crashed, you'd think to yourself, there's no way he survived that. But by the grace of God. You see, so I look at myself, I'm living on borrowed time anyways. And maybe some of you are going through the same experience. You're living on borrowed time. You're not supposed to be here either. But here's the good thing is we have an opportunity to help others so that they can be prepared for the next life, that they don't need to fear the judgment. Perfect love casts out all fear. In other words, we can understand that we don't have to fear the things of this world. That's why Paul could make the statement to live is Christ and to die is gain. It's gain. Man, if we live in fear... We will never be who God wants us to be. In 2 Timothy, chapter 1 and verse 7, Paul makes this statement when he says this, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. What does he mean by that? The spirit of fear he's talking about there is God has not given him a spirit of fear to go out and tell people about Jesus. You say, how do you know that? Well, you read on. Be thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me as prisoner, but thou partaker of the affections of the gospel according to the power of God. His point was simply what? We don't have to fear going out and telling others about Jesus. In fact, it should be our greatest joy. It should be our life. It should be our mission. It should be our goal to let others know about Jesus. Can I tell you something? Our community is scared. I mean, just look at what we've been through in the last couple of weeks, tornado and now this virus, but the virus is not even in our community. But we look at these things and we get scared and we get worried and we think to ourselves, we begin to question, we begin to ask, God, where are you at? God, what are you doing? What, what, what's going on? Why are you allowing these things to happen? I don't ask those questions. I just simply trust that God is going to take care of us. I can choose to live in one of two ways, and you can too. And this is, this is the question for you today. You can either live in fear or you can live in faith. Amen. It's one or the other. That's the choice you have to make. You can either choose to bow down to all the fear that's coming across. Because if you do, let's be honest. One of the biggest things that you can do when all of this stuff strikes is you can say, well, you know what, I'm just going to stay home. I'm not going to go to work. I'm not going to go to church. I'm not going to go watch my kids do anything. We're just going gonna to shut everything down and we're just going to be afraid. You're allowed to do that. That's your choice. Or you can live in faith and say, you know what? My God is bigger than anything. My God is bigger than all the problems that we're going to face. My God is bigger than any disease that's going to come our way. My God is bigger than any natural disaster that's going to hit us. My God is greater than all of my fears. If you need to, just sing that VeggieTales song. Maybe it'll help you. God is bigger than everything. God is bigger than all of your fears. God is bigger than all of your problems. God is bigger than every disease that's ever existed. God is bigger and he is greater than anything that we will ever face. Trust me, I don't take this sickness or this disease lightly. I'm going to pray for those that are sick. I'm going to pray for those that are getting better. I'm going to pray for our country. I'm going to pray for those that are in charge. I'm going to pray for everything. Why? Because I trust in the God. And that's why our president said what? Let's call it a national day of prayer. Because he knows the power of prayer is the only thing that can overcome the fears of our country. And I do too. I learned a long time ago, Philippians 4, 6 is such a powerful verse to me. It says, be anxious for nothing, but in all things through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. That verse taught me something very powerful. It taught me two things. Number one, if you're going to worry, don't pray. But if you're going to pray, don't worry.